Welcome to the TV Deets Podcast. My name is Brett and I'm the guy behind the blog. An extension of tvdeets.com, join us for a brand new episode each week as we break down the latest unscripted news and ratings and share exclusive piping hot tea on all of your favorite reality shows. Now, let's get into it. everyone and welcome to an all-new episode of the TV Deets podcast. On this week's episode we need to talk about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and perhaps one of the franchise's best episodes ever. Plus a look at why the Heather Dubrow takedown attempt faltered on the Real Housewives of Orange County, the latest on Shannon Bedore's DUI arrest, why Bravo needs to bring back the below deck reunions, an inside scoop on shows like Love and Marriage DC and the Real Housewives of Potomac. All of this and more coming up on the next hour of the TV Deets podcast. Oh, the real housewives of Salt Lake City. We need to talk about this week's episode, TV Deets fam, because the Salt Lake City girls are bringing it. Now, if you're a regular listener to the TV Deets podcast, or you read my blogs at tvdeets.com, or perhaps my tweets and things like that, you may know I'm not a massive fan of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And I'll tell you why. I was really excited for the first season, back when they announced that at BravoCon a few years ago, that we would have a new season and an all-new cast. And they had all these crazy rumors during filming. You know, we heard about an umbrella through the windshield, all sorts of stuff. You know, nonetheless, I was very excited for Salt Lake City. I feel like the seasons that we saw were not really what the show was imagined as, though. And I think that was all due to Jen Shaw. And watching, you know, season four of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City really has me understanding you know, how much of an impact Jen had on the show, and I want to say a negative impact, because you guys, I am loving season four without Jen Shaw, so let's talk about it. So this week, the Salt Lake City cast traveled to Palm Springs, it's I believe the second part of their Palm Springs uh, trip, and we have almost, you know, we have pretty much everyone there, we have uh, Heather Gay, we have uh, Lisa Barlow, we have Whitney Rose, and Monica Garcia, the new housewife, as well as Angie Katzenevas, who has been promoted to a full-time housewife this season. And we also have Mary M. Cosby, friend of the housewives, on this epic trip this season. So we are getting a full cast trip, only a few episodes in, uh, three episodes really, into Salt Lake City. Now, at the end of last week's episode and into the start of this week's episode, it was really funny because they're at the airport and Lisa Barlow is still stressing about this $60,000 ring that she supposedly lost. Now, 
I'm not a massive Lisa Barlow fan, but this moment was, like, hilarious. She kept it going. I think she said $60,000 about 10 times. Like, that's a drinking game right there, if you want. Um, you would be wasted listening to Lisa Barlow. But her whole thing with the $60,000 ring, I have to just say, and I have heard some rumors. These are all alleged rumors, and I don't know anything for fact, but let me just put it out there on the podcast, because that's what we do here. I have heard that... You know, this could be a little bit of an insurance scam. And that's all alleged, and again, not coming from me, but just what I've heard on the streets of Salt Lake City. You know, let's say you want some money and you need a cash flow. One thing you might do is you might lose an expensive piece of jewelry. And the great thing about having a reality show to document that is that you can show that you lost it and that there was nothing that you could have done, etc., etc., to find this ring. Well, I thought it was really interesting that at the airport, we don't have any footage, actually, of Lisa losing the ring because they're in the washroom, of course, but Heather jumps on her iPhone, she records a little bit for us, and then we even get a clip outside of the airport in the parking lot where it looks like Lisa has either made a complaint with the airport, like filed a report, or she's just explaining what happened. But again, you can see she did let the airport know um, that the ring was stolen, and I think the gentleman actually said, you know, that never happens here kind of thing, so very interesting to watch. She wants that 60k. If you're Lisa Bar uh, Barlow's insurance company, send her that check, because girl, she is thirsty for that money, but love you, Lisa Barlow. That was still hilarious. The best part of the episode for me, guys, though, this was all about Mary M. Cosby. She delivered from beginning of the episode all the way through the end, her shutting down Angie Katzenevis was just, like, all-time iconic. Might be top ten moments on this show for sure. But her whole, like, I don't want to sit with you, and then just choosing to sit behind <laughs> Angie and Whitney at Trixie's uh, Motel. So funny. Like, this is cinema. And I must say to production, they got it. Like, production is there. They are filming this scene. They are zooming out on that wide lens. And they are showing us that large gap. And... They are really hustling, so, you know, so far, so good, but Mary's not having it. She also wasn't having it with Lisa's ring, telling her basically, you know, okay, well, we do have to move on, like, <laughs> no one doesn't like Mary. She is an MVP for sure. Now, this episode, we really got to see a lot more from Monica, who is the new housewife, now, I've got to be honest, I'm a little torn on Monica so far. I When I first saw the premiere, I told you guys, hey, Monica's going to be a fan favorite. And I totally believe that she is already a fan favorite and will continue to be a fan favorite. But I am seeing some, you know, s signs of concern. Now, before the trip this week, we kind of got Monica talking about how she doesn't have as much money as the other ladies and feels insecure around them. And she went to Louis Vuitton and had to buy a Louis Vuitton bag to kind of fit in. And I know a lot of people are saying that this is really relatable. Okay, I kind of get that point of view, but I'm just going to be real. This is the Real Housewives. I don't really understand why I'm watching someone have that type of issue. I just don't think it fits the vibe of the show overall. And it, it makes me start to question, like, what is Monica's longevity on this show? Where is her role? Because it can't just be antics and drama, right? Like, we do tune in for the lifestyle. And I know on Salt Lake City, it's a little shaky 
We have a few rentals in the mix. Um, but they are still giving that glam where they need to. And I just feel like that's a really big casting issue. So, I mean, they're very confident in Monica. But the casting there, it says to me that, you know, maybe there was something up with Monica's placement and why she's thrown into this group. So I did some digging. And basically what I was able to find out on, you know, again, the streets of Salt Lake City Allegedly, Monica was not set to be a full-time housewife, and neither was Angie Katzenevis. So, apparently, they had a few other ladies lined up, I think two in particular, and I might have talked about this on the podcast previously, but these two women who they had lined up to be full-time housewives, the fans actually found out first, and they started doing some research, you know, Bravo spies on the internet, go, 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 and they found some inappropriate posts facebook posts i think in particular that kind of harkened back to jenny if you know what i'm talking about so they had two megas that they had cast and once this was found out i am told that bravo swiftly asked production to replace these women and that may be why we have monica in a full-time role and then angie katzenevis also upgraded to a full-time role you can see on this trip there's a lot of drama around Angie and why she's there, and I'm also told that's because she was not a full-time housewife, so they were actually questioning her role on the show and why she's there on the trip, causing all this drama when, bitch, we don't even know if you're going to be on the show. Like, what is your role? So, very interesting, but I think those dynamics are at play with Salt Lake City. Now... What I do love about Monica is her ability to just engage right off the bat. This is no Meredith Marks taking three seasons to engage. This is Monica engaging right off the bat. And I actually loved that Trixie's uh, Trixie's poolside when Monica overhears Angie talking shit about her to Lisa Barlow. And she basically barges in and is like, hey, I heard you talking shit about me. What's up? That is, like, amazing. And I love a housewife who is just willing to do that. And I felt like this episode gave us a lot of, like, on-the-ground moments. On some other franchises, like, Monica may have heard that and waited three episodes to confront the other person. So I loved that on Salt Lake City. She's getting into it. She walks right over. What are you t- What are you saying? Why are you saying this? And Angie, like, starts to sputter, spit, and spin. And Monica holds her ground and just totally is like, listen, what you said was rude. You were being rude. I'm your friend, but I'm going to tell you you're being rude. And Angie is just not having it. Now, what I find particularly funny about this is last season, Angie was actually introduced as a friend of Jen Shaw. And I was no Jen Shaw proponent, but I mean, we watched a whole season of Angie just attack Jen Shaw. And it got to the point where I was like, who the fuck is this lady? Like, if this is supposedly my best friend or a good friend of mine, I'm fucked because this lady does not like me. And that's the treatment Angie gave Jen Shaw. Fast forward to this season, Monica is supposedly a friend of Angie, but really she's introduced through Jen Shaw. And Angie wants some sort of loyalty from her that she never gave to Jen herself. So I just find that whole thing completely ironic. Monica is delivering, but then we move into this dinner, okay, and this dinner is just off the wall, right? I mean, obviously, they're sloshed. You can see, like, six or seven martini glasses in front of my girl, Heather Gay, alone, Uh, and they were feeling it. They were having a good night, but again, Meredith is like, Angie, why the fuck are you here? And trying to get to the bottom of why Angie Katzenevis is on this trip, and not only why she's on this trip, but why she can't get her big snout out of everyone's business. 
Now, I mean that in good fun, but this whole dinner interaction, completely hilarious as well. And you have Monica sitting there listening to Angie, listening to Meredith go back and forth. And Monica starts to clue in, hey, this is my chance to also jump in and slam this bitch Angie. Like, let's get the villain train going. And Angie is totally a fish out of water, totally overwhelmed at this dinner. I think she really wants to be a housewife. And I think there are parts of Angie that make a good housewife. But she is very insecure. And her attitude and her tone and her energy, again... I question the longevity of someone like that on the show because if you can't poke fun at yourself, like, what are you doing on The Real Housewives? I really think Angie's going to have difficulty in doing that. I'm completely weirded out by the fact that she was friends or friendly with Heather in high school and then now has completely turned on Heather too. Like, that is some crazy shit. And if I ever see someone from my high school years come back into my life and that's how they treat me, like, it's going down. So Angie is just pissing people off left right and center but it gives that us that moment where we get meredith's iconic line you can leave and she said that like straight from the gut and i just felt it in my bones i was terrified watching i hadn't take a sip of my wine in like 10 minutes just letting meredith go off she got her and so you see that whole funny thing where meredith tries to get angie kicked out she goes to the Poor little uh, server thinking he's security. Security, security, help me. Listen, this guy is not going to help you one bit. He even says, okay, sweetie, I'll do my best. Like, you're in trouble, girl, and you got to get Angie out yourself. So what does she do? She leaves the table herself. Meredith flies out of the restaurant. Lisa Barlow flies after her. And then we get, again, another iconic Meredith Mark scene. She was, you guys, giving it this entire episode. Out in the parking lot, she goes through about eight different accents. There's some slurring. I don't even know what she was saying, but I was captivated. When I tell you I was sitting on the edge of my seat, listening to word by word of what Meredith was saying, and I'm like, what about the husband? What did she do? I need to know this whole story. Even Lisa Barlow looking at the camera just thinking, what the fuck is going on here? Priceless. So this whole Salt Lake City cast trip, A++. I said it on Twitter. I tweeted about it, posted about it everywhere I could because I was really thrilled with the quality of this episode overall. And that wasn't even the biggest part of it. Like, I think the end is really the most shocking piece. And that's when we have Monica, Heather... Whitney and Maryam Cosby in the Sprinter van. You know, Salt Lake City loves their Sprinter vans. Um, and I guess they're waiting, like, outside the restaurant or they're already at home and Heather's wasted. I, I was, you know, I was into the wine myself, guys. So I'm the timeline is a little sloppy here. But at this point in time, those are the characters on the Sprinter van. And Mary starts going off on Whitney because Whitney was doing some pot stirring. So Whitney, this episode, you know... I go back and forth with Whitney, you know, Salt Lake City, you guys, the cast just from the get-go was not the strong cast I wanted it to be, but now that the Roni reboot is out, I'm starting to think, okay, <laughs> maybe these women were great housewives to begin with, because, yeah, this is way more entertaining, more on that later, but this week, you know, Whitney is not a great housewife overall, but this week she was definitely, like, putting in that work, so I saw aspects of Whitney where I said, okay, 
this is her role. She's a little bit of the potster. She runs to everyone. She wants to be friends with everyone. She's friends with no one is the reality. And that's basically what Mary called her out on because she had just kind of gotten in between Meredith and caused all that drama. So Mary's like, why the hell did you have to say that to her when she was already upset? And Whitney's like, huh? And you see her like look around and Mary just like goes in, you know, you need to grow up. You need to grow up. And <laughs> Whitney is there just with her mouth open. And I mean, that's the tip I've been giving Whitney from the get go. Like this girl needs to learn how to close her mouth because every scene that jaw is on the floor, she is shook. And Mary's just going off. You need to grow up. You need to grow up. And you've never been nice to me, you called me a pornography, you called me a pornography, and we're all just like, what is going on? But we're here for it, we're somehow still sticking with Mary, and then you get uh, Heather saying, predator. So Heather just list lifts her head up from throwing up to say, predator. And uh, Mary's like, exactly, you called me a predator. And, you know, Miriam Cosby is correct. I mean, say what you want about her church, like, I'm not even going to get into it. So many of the housewives across all of the franchises, guys, are re Republicans and or religious. So at this point, like, what does that even matter? But, okay, Mary Cosby runs a cult. Okay, let's go with that, right? Allegedly. So if someone says that about my church or what I do and then calls me a predator, like, anyone would have an issue with that. Like, I don't care what show, what network. No one's going to be down with that type of, you know, attack on their business or their livelihood. So... I'm not surprised Mary is bringing it up, and I'm not surprised she's bringing it up so early and just going, you know, head-on at Whitney for it. I think that comment was out of line. I don't think Whitney understands, like, what these comments mean. Like, you can't really say that about someone and then want to be, like, seen with them again. And then you'll see in the preview for next week, Salt Lake City, she says, why are you here? Like, why are you here, Whitney? Mary is here to save the show. Mary is doing what Bravo asked Mary to do, which is bring comedic drama to every single episode because you girls could not deliver. And that is the truth. So Mary is here to stay, Whitney. Mary is doing her job, and Mary is doing a fantastic job. But overall, Salt Lake City, whoo, amazing. So MVPs this week, by far, Mary Cosby, um, and, uh, Monica Garcia and Meredith Marks. I'm just overwhelmed. I'm just loving Salt Lake City. The ratings haven't been as high as I would have hoped. It's kind of alarming, to be honest, uh, the live ratings. And before you guys say, oh, everyone watches on Peacock, like we've been through that before, live ratings do give us an indication of a show's water cooler effect. And Salt Lake City is delivering, so I want some more eyeballs on Tuesday nights on Bravo. But let me know, what did you think about Salt Lake City this week? Are you Team Meredith or are you Team Angie? And what would we do without Mary M. Cosby? Let me know. It's time to talk about the Real Housewives of Orange County. This episode this week was a big episode for the Real Housewives of Orange County. It was basically the Heather Dubrow takedown attempt in full force. Now, if you guys have been listening to this TV Deets podcast since the beginning, I have been trying to tell you that I had it on good authority that this entire cast was going to turn on Heather Dubrow and that she was the villain this season, and I heard that way early on into production, and 
look at what we're watching right now, you guys, because these women are over Heather Dubrow. Now, Orange County this season has been very interesting to me. It's been, like, kind of up and down, to be honest, but overall, the season is very strong, and I'm actually very impressed with the cast overall. Like, I think this is the first time in the last few years that Bravo has gotten this cast correct and finally has, like, the dynamics and kind of that old-school Orange County vibe that we, we knew and loved. They definitely have that back this season, and you can see that magic. Now, the disappointing thing, like I said, is just that there's a Heather takedown attempt because I really think we could have gotten some more interesting content um, besides that. But let's talk about Orange County. They're in Mexico. So Emily Simpson, Gina Kirschenheider, Heather Dubrow, of course, Tamara Judge, Messi Shannon Bador, and uh, Jen Pedantry are there. We also have Taylor Armstrong who attended the trip and Vicky showed up. Thank God Vicky is here. And Vicky's here to kind of bring some levity, you guys. So amazing. But this trip has kind of been an interesting trip for me. The editing on Orange County this season has been really all over the place. Like, I feel like we get, you know, shorted on some of these conversations and some of these scenes. And we're expected to kind of fill in the gaps. Now, that makes for a great reunion and some great social media drama. So I'm not opposed to it. But I do have some questions. I'm kind of confused with Orange County at this point. So in this week's episode, the gist of it basically is, is that the women are over Heather Dubrow. They think that she is above them. They think that she is a terrible friend because at BravoCon, she supposedly called them fucking losers. And now she's, she supposedly said this, I guess, about Gina and Emily in particular. But Heather is actually saying she said it about Noella and Dr. Jem Armstrong from last season. And before I get into this, I will say, I don't know how much of this BravoCon drama I believe. And I'm just going to be real, right? Like, this is a reality show. We know it's produced. We know it's staged. I get all of that. But some of these storylines they're putting in, you guys, are, like, so blatant promo. And this just feels like another promo. So I don't know if you've noticed, but on all the Bravo shows across the last two years... BravoCon has slowly been intertwined into the storylines. They want the women saying BravoCon... It's talked about on, uh, on Atlanta quite a bit this past year. Um, but everyone has now like a little BravoCon scandal. And I really think it is to drive up attention for BravoCon. They want people buying tickets. They want that excitement year after year after year. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to convince fans that, hey, if you go to BravoCon, you may see some crazy shit go down between Tamara and Heather. Ah. So I really feel like that's this BravoCon drama. Not saying what they're you know, talking about didn't happen per se, but I think it's been exaggerated or stretched or it isn't what it is. Now, I was at the Orange County panel at BravoCon. I sat there in person, live, and the dynamics were really interesting. Like, at the time, they were all over Heather Dubrow, and they were already being rude to Heather. That's just my perception, you guys. I had already heard at this point prior to this panel that they, the first few weeks of filming, they had kind of turned on Heather and that there was some, you know, conversations around her house and whether she was a good friend. And I think that was coming from Gina at the beginning of the season. But I was at the BravoCon panel and the energy for me just totally felt like, you know, they're over Heather and they, they don't like Heather. And she was up there trying to be like professional and nice, but the dynamics, if you go back and watch it, are just weird. Like, 
clearly there was an, an agenda here and they wanted to go after Heather and this is what they were going to do. So now I guess Tamara has figured out, okay, I'm going to do productions bidding. I'm going to get this BravoCon storyline in and this is going to be my takedown of Heather. I finally got her. And it's like, what did you get her on? So she called you fucking losers? Like, uh, you uh, first of all, you are losers. Like, this ca- is a cast of losers, okay? And second of all, if you get that upset that someone calls you a fucking loser, these women have no sense of humor in Orange County. Like, I feel like it's either we're doing tequila shots or we're fucking screaming at each other. And I feel like they need a little bit of the comedy in between because... I'm not saying Heather, like, doesn't mean what she says or she's joking or it's, like, British humor, like LVP used to say, but it is, like, way overblown. And for Tamara, for someone who's, like, so tough and, like, oh, you can say anything to me, like, this season she's just coming across as weak. Like, I'm sorry, but it it seems like you're insecure. I know your business closed, but why do you have to, like, shit on all your friends at the same time? Like, it just seems like she, this is what she's wanted to do, and she's had this little, you know, jealousy of Heather or whatever it was, because she was on the show when she wasn't, and so now Tamara's back, and she thinks, this is how I'm going to assert myself and how I'm going to put Heather in her place, and the receipt, like, isn't a good receipt, because it's just Tamara's word, and I'm like, okay, this is season 17. Do we fucking believe Tamara anymore? Like, you guys. So I think Tamara, I've said it before, she's a great housewife because she's messy. She gets in there, she puts her personal life out there, and she keeps Orange County moving. But I just think this season was a total, total miscalculation on her part. She should listen to the TVD's podcast because I would have told you that teaming up with Heather would have been way more entertaining and way more favorable to viewers than what she's doing now. Um, you know, the ratings are strong, so it seems to be working. But Tamara, if you look online anywhere, I mean, her reputation, like, not like it was great to begin with, but this girl has some work to do with these Orange County fans. So, I don't know. But anyways, back to this fucking losers. Basically, this is something that, you know, Heather supposedly said at BravoCon, may or may not have told Shannon or whatever. There's a whole bunch of telephone with it. And at the end of the day, Gina and Emily are just upset. Like, you know, we've been such good friends to Heather. And Heather would call us a fucking loser. Like, (laughs) you guys, I'm sorry. I don't get it. Heather has been only a good friend to you guys. And Gina and Emily, I have a message for you. You are shitty friends. Like, I've been watching this whole season, and I hear Gina every week. Uh, You know, Heather hasn't been a good friend to me. I've been such a good friend to Heather. I'm here for Heather. Like, can we fast forward, or sorry, rewind, I should say, to the premiere, season 17 premiere, where Gina had basically ghosted Heather, had not spoken to her, and Heather was the one saying, hey, I miss you. Like, I just thought, you know, we were closer friends than that. And Gina's like, oh, I didn't know you would care. Ha 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 ha. It's like, and then now you're in Mexico sitting there saying that you've been nothing but a good friend to her when you haven't supported her through anything. And Heather is right. She didn't tell the women about selling her house because they were already shit-talking her. They've been shit-talking her since before Montana. So, again, I don't get this whole thing with Gina like, I've been a good friend to you. We have not seen it on camera. In fact, I've only seen you criticize Heather on camera, so I don't know. Now, before the reunion tapes, the Orange County reunion, Gina had actually posted on her uh, Instagram a little photo from New York prior to the taping, and I commented and I said, I hope you and Heather make up at the reunion. I really don't think Heather had any malintentions 
with you this year and I really, you know, think you need to make up with her. Now, Gina liked the comment. And so I think that says something about where Gina's head was at heading into the reunion. And I actually came across this little interview that Gina had done. I think it was on her podcast, but OK Magazine actually did a little write-up. And Gina discussed her issues with Heather, and she called her friendship with Heather genuine, despite what we're seeing on Orange County this season. And here's the quote. She said, Heather genuinely cares about me. No matter what the gossip or the tabloids say, I know my friendship with her. I have a lot of respect for her. At the end of the day, I would call... I could call Heather at any time of day or night, and if I was in a bad spot, Heather would be there. To me, that's the measure of a good friend. Now, <laughs> okay, I do believe that. Heather is a good friend. She would be there for any of the women if if they needed her. Um, but this whole part about, like, no matter what the gossip or the tabloids say, like, you should just say no matter what Tamara says. Because who in the tabloids is writing that Heather Dubrow is a bad friend? Like, <laughs> I just don't get it. I'm not seeing it. I think it was, again, a real miscalculation for them to go this angle. And it doesn't seem to be working, but hilarious non nonetheless. Now, there is a little preview for next week. And it looks like Heather brings the receipts. And in this preview, she basically sits down with Gina and plays a little clip of Tamara and Teddy's podcast. And it looks like... Tamara may have some explaining to do. So I wanted to play that clip for you. Let's listen to next week's Orange County. Hey. Hi. You look beautiful. Thanks, you too. Thank you. You're upset, obviously. Yeah. I'm upset too. Okay. Well, you called me here, so... Why are you upset? First of all, I really want to let you know, I value your friendship. I feel like I have been there for you. That is just very hard to believe at this point. The fact that Tamara could sit there and say all these things, you were so quick to believe anything. I'm not so she, quick to yes, you are. She said that I called you losers, which I did not call you losers. You can still understand how I would want that to be explained and how that would hurt. Okay, well, I, my just, I want to, I want to have it explained to you now. Okay, are you ready for it? We cannot talk about this. I don't want to. That's us. She's the one that said it. Okay, Heather, so Tamara called me a loser. If you're my friend, you should be telling me these things. I believe that Tamara probably said it. Probably wasn't said with like a malicious intent, but once again, me and Emily are being used as collateral damage in their bullshit. Okay, where do we even begin to unpack that? Gina, Gina, Gina. So I don't know if you caught it at the tail end of that, but basically Heather walks in and plays this clip for Gina, and it's a clip of the two T's in a pod podcast with Teddy and Tamara. And they're telling a story about BravoCon, and Teddy says, oh, and, you know, then you don't know what you said about your whole cast. And Tamara goes, what? And she said, Oh, let's get out of here. I don't want to hang out with these losers. So, very clear. It's actually Tamara who called the cast losers. You can hear Heather say right afterwards, she says, that's us. 
And then you get Gina doing these mental gymnastics to try to explain away Tamara's involvement and somehow still pin this on Heather Dubrow, even though Heather Dubrow is the only one sitting here trying to make this effort with you, trying to show you what actually happened. So I actually went to Tamara and Teddy's podcast. I'm not a regular listener. You know I can't stand Teddy, but I did go back and try to find this. I listened to their BravoCon episode. It wasn't in there, so... I'm not sure what episode this was, if it was a bonus episode. If you are a regular listener to that podcast, let me know. Maybe send me the episode. I would love to hear that little clip that they're playing in next week's Orange County. But yeah, Gina completely <laughs> like choosing to say, okay, well, thank you for playing me this receipt, but I'm still going to blame you for your involvement. Like, what is that even about? So Again, it does look like Gina and Heather have made up in real time, but this isn't looking good for Gina. This is looking, like, really messy, and it looks, honestly, like she's doing Tamara's bidding. So, again, I've been telling you, Tamara has been leading the charge. She wanted to get back at Heather, and it looks like she has all of her pawns in place, but crazy. Nonetheless, you guys, I am enjoying Orange County. It's really heating up. I told you exclusively that the finale is next week. I told you that about a month ago. So big episode next week. And then we have a two-part reunion to get through. But Orange County, they're bringing it. Let me know in the comments. I posted about it everywhere. Are you team Heather or are you team everyone else? And what do you think happened at BravoCon? Welcome to CNN, or should I say TV Deets? This is the TV Deets podcast overall, but here I'm going to give you a little Shannon Bedore arrest update, and I'm kind of feeling like CNN when I do so. So let's recap. As you guys know, Shannon was arrested last weekend on charges of DUI and hit and run. She ended up actually clipping a house in Newport Beach. Um, she was booked and released the same night on her own recognance, and um, you know, it's only gotten messier since that whole thing went down. We've seen online, they've actually released the video of Shannon driving down that road in Newport Beach. And to give you some context, this is a really tight, tight neighborhood. Uh, the houses are really, really close to the street and it looks really pedestrianized, but you have these roads going right through, uh, right in front of people's front doors. And they have actually obtained surveillance video of Shannon clipping that house. Now, it's definitely not a good look. I was kind of cringing that the neighbors have released this, however, because apparently this is only doors down from John Jansen's house. So, so I was a little surprised that the neighbors have supposedly sold this video to TMZ and other outlets. Um very interesting. I think that will have some uh, effects down the line. Now, I did report on tvdeets.com. Shannon Bedore's mugshot will not be released after Newport Beach police have blocked a Freedom of Information Act request submitted by RadarOnline.com. Here's a quote. The request for any police reports, 911 calls, photos including booking photo, video including body-worn camera, and dash footage camera must be denied. Now, a lot of people are saying that this is white privilege or that how can a police department block an FOI request? I should have maybe perhaps added some context, but 
basically, from my understanding, the governor of California around two years ago actually made it a law that no mugshots would be released for arrests of nonviolent crimes, i.e. a misdemeanor. So because Shannon has been charged with a misdemeanor, it wasn't a felony, and I guess that's why her mugshot is not going to be released. Like I said, that is officially from the Newport P uh Newport Beach Police Department they are not going to release it so at this point the only way that can be released is if someone leaks it now TMZ has obtained many a celebrity mugshot in the past but I'm not sure of their history with Newport Beach uh, Newport Beach Police I do know TMZ has sources at the LAPD which is why we see all of those things but I'm not sure sure about Newport Beach and the fact that this mugshot has not been released yet and we're almost at a full week tells me that we probably will not see that mugshot released now, a lot of p interesting kind of previous RHOC people have waded into the waters with Shannon's uh, arrest, and one of them is Alexis Bellino, and this little story is quite interesting. So, according to TMZ, the night Shannon got arrested, she was at a restaurant in Newport Beach, Alexis Bellino walked in, Shannon Bodor saw her, and according to TMZ sources, uh, Shannon was shit-talking or basically bitching about Alexis the night leading up to that arrest. Now, they never saw each other, apparently, but Shannon was uh, not happy to see Alexis, and here's what Alexis told TMZ herself. She actually released her own statement, so here's what she said. When my girlfriends and I arrived for a fun night out together, it was soon brought to my attention that Shannon was also at the same restaurant. Shannon and I did not interact that night, but it greatly saddens me to learn that she may harbor negative feelings or resentment towards me, as I was not involved in Jim Bellino's lawsuit against Shannon. From one single mother to another, I wish Shannon nothing but the best, as I know she is facing trying times ahead. Now, Alexis is talking about that lawsuit from uh, quite a few years ago, where Jim Bellino sued Shannon, Tamara, and I believe Heather McDonald, because they did a live podcast where they had joked that you know, some people had been injured at Jim Bellino's trampoline park. So I think they said someone broke their neck. So I remember that whole thing. Jim Bellino sued them for a million dollars. I was an avid listener to Heather McDonald's podcast at the time, and she got basically raked over the coals. She has like no money left after, um, I don't mean to laugh, you guys, sorry, but Jim Bellino completely destroyed Heather McDonald's. And maybe that's why she's been spiraling. Side note, but, um, Jim Bellino took uh, her to the cleaners. Tamara and Shannon are no longer friends with Heather McDonald because of that whole incident. It was a Heather McDonald live podcast. And I guess Shannon is still upset about that as well. That would have been a huge financial drain on all involved. Um, but Alexis is reminding them, I was divorced and I had nothing to do with that lawsuit. So I thought that was very interesting that she actually released that statement to TMZ. That tells me that maybe Alexis is in the mix, you guys, because these stories don't come out of anywhere. And I know a lot of fans want her back. She's When I look back at the old seasons, she was a horrible person, but like created amazing reality TV. So I personally would be here for it. But I know there are con some, uh, some concerns among the fans. Now... Another uh, RHOC veteran who has waded into the Shannon Bador arrest drama is Bronwyn. Now, Bronwyn has actually spoken to Us Weekly about the, the DUI arrest, and here's what she had to say. 
Here's a quote. I think Shannon has been going through a hard year. Obviously, what happened is not okay. You should never drink and drive. It was a very unfortunate night for her, but fortunately, no one was hurt. I know Shannon has a big heart, and I hope this can become her story where this is a moment when everything changed for the better. So we have Bronwyn, who was infamously a drunk herself, telling Shannon, hey, you've had a hard year. We're here for you. Now, to be honest, I kind of thought Bronwyn's statement was kind of nice. I mean, I don't think she shaded her or anything at all. And I believe these media outlets like TMZ, Entertainment Tonight, Us Weekly, they're reaching out to the Orange County cast. And I've heard on good authority that the RHOC cast is on lockdown about this subject and is not allowed to talk to the press. They're not allowed to tweet about it. They won't be talking about it on their podcast in any more detail. But... The media outlets are, are asking the older housewives who are no longer under NDBC contract to comment, and that's why we're seeing these comments. Now, Emily Simpson is the first person to speak out from the cast. She tells Entertainment Tonight that she hopes Shannon Bedore's arrest serves as a, quote, rock bottom moment. Here's her quote. I feel like we've seen her spiraling. We've had conversations just as a cast about her worrying about her. I hope she takes accountability and recognizes what happened and the severity of it. So, I mean, pretty succinct comments from Emily, but Shannon, just FYI, Emily is not your friend, like, based on that statement. So this whole season, again, of like, oh, you know, we're good friends, we've been so friendly with, you know, you're so close to me, you know, blah, 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 this Orange County cast has been going on, like, clearly they're not that close, because I read that statement from Emily, and I gotta tell you, like, that doesn't sound like a friend, that sounds like you know, my mortal enemy or like my mom, perhaps, but it's like, I would have maybe liked to see something like, you know, we all care about Shannon, we're here for her. But it was more like, we've seen her spiraling, we've talked about it, I hope she takes accountability, like, ouch. So this is going to be a tough road ahead for Shannon, not condoning drinking driving is completely inappropriate, but none of these women are perfect. So some of these statements are kind of interesting to me. But that's pretty much it, you guys, in the Shannon Bedore uh, arrest drama. Will be interesting to see whether she goes to rehab or not. There are some people who are saying she will. I've seen something saying she she isn't. Uh, there was photos of her released at John Jansen's house with, with John Jansen. She looks like she has a little cut under her eye and her arm is in a sling. So you know, there's rumors online she needs plastic surgery. That's a way over exaggeration. So don't believe everything you read. I believe Shannon is hunkering down at John's. I believe they are together despite her saying they are not. And that's why we saw those photos. Um, it's not surprising she would rely on him during this time. Um, but this is why maybe she didn't want the relationship talked about during the season. There's obviously some stuff going on between them. You don't drink and drive if you're happy. So you know, who knows where this goes. Lots more to come. Let me know what do you think is going to happen next. Will Bravo invite Shannon back? I think she'll be back. Ratings are up. But let me know. Do you think she'll be back on Orange County next season? Love to hear your thoughts. Now for a Bravo ratings recap. As always, you guys know I post the ratings as soon as I get them on tvdeets.com. If you go to my website, hover over the reality TV ratings tab, I have them sorted by network and then by show, 
and I have a lot of shows that are not on the air right now as well, like Luann and Sonia, Welcome to Crappy Lake, Million Dollar Listing, Real Housewives of New Jersey and Potomac, Southern Hospitality, so many shows. Plus everything that's airing right now on Bravo and other networks like MTV Own and VH1. So be sure to go to tvdeeds.com, click the ratings tab. Even if you scroll down on the homepage, I have a little rating section where all of the shows are presented by a nice little image. Click that and you get brought right to the ratings page. So again, that's the easiest way to check the stats and stay up to date. But here's a little recap. I didn't talk about Southern Charm on the podcast that much. I did really like the premiere. I saw it as a Bravo screener. I've never been like a massive Southern Charm fan, but I'm going to try and watch it this year with you. This season debuted to a 0.20 in the demo and 697,000 live viewers. So quite a strong uh, start for Southern Charm. Now, the Real Housewives of uh, New York City, this is the real interesting number this week. In the first episode, without the Real Housewives of Atlanta as a lead-in, New York unfortunately dropped to a 0.13 in the demo and just 481,000 live viewers. On Monday night, we saw Below Deck Down Under wrap up with one episode. They earned a 0.19 in the demo and 824,000 live viewers, making their season average a 0.20 in the demo and 796,000 live viewers. So quite a strong season for Below Deck Down Under. They will definitely be back with the numbers like these. And then we had The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So this episode to Palm Springs earned a season high 0.15 in the demo and 482,000 live viewers. This is up a tick from last week and even in the demo with the season premiere. I talked a bit about it a bit in my Salt Lake City recap portion, but I'd like to see higher live numbers. This is a great housewife season. I feel like it's delivering on all fronts. Salt Lake City has often struggled in the ratings and been lower rated, but this is a little bit of a drop. Let's get those live viewers back and watching on Tuesday nights. Now, The Real Housewives of Orange County, this just aired uh, this week, episode 15, up to a 0.21 in the demo and 821,000 live viewers. So a huge increase for Orange County. They are crushing it. So Orange County and Atlanta rocking it. But this week, like I said, the interesting point is that without Atlanta as a lead-in, New York did uh, drop quite a bit. So it will be interesting to watch the numbers for this coming Sunday. And it's also interesting that we have Salt Lake City beating the New York reboot, but just by a, a smidge so they're right neck and neck there but again here's why we look at those two shows differently salt lake city as i've told you has been often viewed as like the sister city to the franchise it's lower rated it's part of the newer generation so the expectations are not as high whereas with new york <laughs> you know yes this is a reboot excuse me but this episode um it's it's you know part of an existing franchise we're on season 14 that's how it's been built and the ratings are less than half so that's the concern there so when salt lake city drops to like 200,000 let me know we'll talk but for now still some concerns with that new york reboot like i said you can view all the ratings for these shows and more at tvdeets.com hover over the ratings tab and all of the data is right there
I have to go on a little rant, uh, and this one is about Below Deck. Now, I'm a huge Below Deck fan. You know I run the Below Deck sailing pa uh, fan page on Twitter and Instagram. I love me some Below Deck, but I have an issue that I need to take up, and I don't know who I need to take it up with, but it is around Below Deck reunions and why we're no longer getting reunion specials. Now, I was originally told that Below Deck Down Under would get a reunion for season two, and then very quickly into the season was told that that was no longer happening. So season two just wrapped, we saw that on Monday night, no reunion, and Below Deck Mediterranean actually starts this coming Monday, which looks very good. But this made me think, like, what happened to the Below Deck reunions? So we went from having, like, in-person reunions back in the day with Andy in the Bravo Watch What Happens Live clubhouse. And now we don't have them at all. So we went from in-person and then, like, during the pandemic, they kind of moved to this virtual uh, reunion format. And now we're not getting a reunion at all. So I have a bone to pick with Bravo about that. Below Deck is your highest rated franchise if not the highest rated franchise and you're not giving them a reunion it doesn't even make sense they bring more drama they have more relationships they know more about each other they have pre-existing relationships on and off these boats they spend the year traveling with each other so much happens after a below deck season has wrapped when these uh characters are watching themselves on tv seeing what everyone has said behind them all the hot mic moments that below deck producers are so good at capturing you know people being fired from the boats people being replaced etc etc and none of it gets to be discussed so i know that there's some scheduling issues in terms of the fact that like some of the people that are currently on these seasons are potentially on you know other seasons of below deck they're actually in production and therefore they can't remove them from that filming to get them to new york city to film a reunion that is definitely a possibility the other more logical scenario here is that this is all budget so why fly in 10 people from across the world a lot of these below deck cast members are from europe australia down under as we've been talking about so flying them all to new york city is not cheap but Again, when this is your highest rated franchise and such a huge portion of your fan base outside of The Real Housewives, I just think it's a mistake not to have a reunion. So I'm volunteering myself. Brett, the TV Deets guy, Below Deck Sailing fan page, I'm ready to host the Below Deck reunion because we need to talk about everything that happened on Down Under this season. There is so much coming up with Below Deck Med that, again, if they don't get a reunion, that will be an absolute crime. So... We need to start the petition, guys. Let's start the petition, bring back the Below Deck reunions, and let's treat this franchise the way it deserves to be treated. Who's with me? So, I asked you guys this week, what do you want me to talk about on the podcast, and... I constantly get requests to discuss Love and Marriage DC and The Real Housewives of Potomac, so I'm going to do my best to do that with you guys right now. Now, I have seen some things. Let's first talk about Love and Marriage, okay? So this is very interesting. As you know, this is the franchise on OWN uh, by Carlos King, kind of like The Real Housewives, but the husbands play a much bigger role. Now, 
Right now, we have the Real House, or sorry, Love and Marriage Detroit, which has been airing on Saturday nights. And basically, Love and Marriage Detroit is an all new show. Like it says, they're in Detroit, right? So it's the same format. We're just in Detroit now. This season has not really been hitting in the ratings, and fans don't really seem to be into it. So this season wrapped up back on September 9th. And the season average is a 0.03 in the demo and 165,000 live viewers for the whole season. So it was 12 episodes. They got a two-part reunion out of it and everything. But a lot of fans were wondering, like, why did we see Love and Marriage Detroit before we've seen the second half of Love and Marriage DC? And before I give you some insight on that, we've actually had the return of Love and Marriage Huntsville. So... People thought DC would be coming back, and all of a sudden, Owen was like, nope, it's Huntsville. The OG show is back. Now, that show premiered with season 6B on September 16th, and they received a 0.07 in the demo and 319,000 live viewers, which is actually up over the season 6A mid-season finale and actually up over the season 6A average. Now, just a touch, but it is still up. So I am so excited for those live ratings for Love and Marriage Huntsville, but we're waiting on DC. Everyone's like, where is the DC cast? Now, you guys know I have a soft spot for DC. I exclusively revealed the entire premise of the show and the cast ahead of Monique Samuel's debut on that about two years ago. So I've had a soft spot for OWN and for Love and Marriage DC ever since. And that's why I'm also wondering, where is Love and Marriage DC? Now, here's what I know. So basically, Love and Marriage Detroit was actually filmed way, way, way before Love and Marriage DC season one. Now, I know that may not make sense to you, but yes, the season one with Monique Samuels was filmed after the season one of Love and Marriage Detroit. Now, I'm told that when Carlos secured Monique for the DC spinoff, that's why DC was pumped up and they put that into production right away and they wanted that on the air within months. And that's exactly what they did. I was also told at the time that Love and Marriage Detroit just wasn't that good. So that's why it was kind of sitting on the back burner. So like what we actually saw in Love and Marriage Detroit, it happened like two years ago. Uh, they just wanted us to see it now for whatever reason. So it never bodes well for a show's success when they're delaying your first season or when they have to put you into reshoots. Like not many reality shows go into like full reshoots, but obviously Love and Marriage Detroit to make things kind of current, I'm told that's what they did as well. So just to repeat, Love and Marriage Detroit was filmed way ahead of Love and Marriage DC, but we still got DC first. So again, the timeline is all off. Now, I'm sure you guys have seen the DC cast tweeting. I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. They're asking, where is our show? Where is it? Like, when is it coming? And Carlos King actually responded to that recently. He said they do have a premiere date and it is coming back because there are some rumors that DC is just going to be canceled and that OWN hasn't announced it. Now, here's what I can tell you. The DC cast has already filmed a reunion special for season two. So what we're going to see, we still have a second half of season two, so about 10 or 11 episodes, and then we have a reunion special that they bear. So we have some things to cover with Love and Marriage DC. Now, here's the interesting thing. Love and Marriage Huntsville, I have on good authority, is about 15 episodes. 
So they just started on the 16th of September, and the second half of the Huntsville season is about 15. So that would take us to all the way through, let me count here, all the way through October, all the way through November, all the way through December, and perhaps into 2024. So the interesting thing about that is that we may not see Love and Marriage DC until 2024. Like, I think that's safe to assume at this point. Now, keep in mind, we're going to be watching these events. They're almost going to be over over a year old at that point. So I don't know why OWN is messing with the Love and Marriage release schedule. I think these half seasons have really thrown them for a loop. I don't know if it has to do with editing and whether someone... You know, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but a certain cast member on Love and Marriage DC being edited out. I don't know if that's why we have this delay, but there is a delay. Word on the street is the show could be canceled. I'm told that isn't happening and it's just going to premiere in 2024. But like I said, with reality TV guys, like that's a really long delay. And Stranger Things have happened. Own is also owned by Warner Brothers. Uh, Discovery, and there's a lot going on there in terms of cutting shows, cutting budgets, so who knows what is at play, but I do think there's something up, and I think OWN should be, you know, more transparent with fans about when DC is coming back, because let's be real, DC is more interesting than Detroit, so I'm just gonna flat out say it. Now, one interesting thing about DC that was brought to my attention earlier this week is Joy and Clifton shared that they were celebrating their one-year anniversary on, like, September 20th, and I thought that was kind of funny because these two have denied that they were married when they came on the show, but as I told you exclusively on my podcast, they were already married when they joined Love and Marriage DC and then did this whole will we or will we not get married storyline. They were actually already married, so the fact that they're just now celebrating this one year, it proves that timeline, and that's actually, like, hilarious. Like, I don't know why... First of all, they lied. And then second of all, like, why you wouldn't just own up to it? Now, I'm told their plan was to kind of get, like, a wedding spinoff. So, as you know, these two met on Owns Ready to Love. And they wanted some sort of, like, marriage spinoff or wedding special. And somehow that turns into Love and Marriage DC with Monique's exit. And so now Joy and Clifton are Love and Marriage DC. And I think they wanted to use Love and Marriage to, like I said, jump off and get that spinoff, that wedding special... And it's just not happening. But the reality is, like, why would you get a wedding special when you're already married? <laughs> like, So I'm just not cool with these lies, you guys. We just need to keep it real. And when you're on a show called Love and Marriage, just be real about love and about your marriage. But I did want to share that kind of Love and Marriage DC, Love and Marriage Detroit update with you and give you some insight there as to why maybe we're seeing some delays with those shows. Now, you guys have also been asking me, like I said, for a lot of Real Housewives of Potomac Tea. A few weeks ago, I shared that really fun, exclusive statement with you from Karen Huger, shutting down some of the rumors going around Potomac. Now, with Potomac coming up soon, I have also exclusively told you the premiere date is Sunday, November 5th, alongside uh, Married to Medicine. Here's what I can tell you. I have to be very careful because I know so much about this season. I know basically everything that happened, but I'm not going to tell you guys because Bravo is not going to like that. So I have to be very careful with what I trickle out. Now, I am told the trailer is done. We should expect the trailer soon. I'm not going to give you a time frame on that. This is just what I've been told. We should expect the trailer for The Real House of Potomac soon. 
and I am told there is something in it that is very shocking and that will shock the rest of the group. It involves one lady in particular, and like I said, it was a surprise to everyone else on the cast. I am told that should be included in the trailer. If it isn't, I'll be surprised, but it's a big cliffhanger. So when I told you that there is a lot of big storylines this season with a lot of these women, I you know, this is why you got to trust and you got to believe and you got to listen to TV Deeds. Those who are not bringing it are not bringing it. They are the same as last year. Those who are bringing it are bringing it, okay? And they're bringing big personal storylines. They are bringing big feuds. And it's going to be very, very funny. But like I said, that trailer is should be done there is something very big in it that should shock everyone else and that's all i can really tell you guys because like i said if i give you any more hints you're gonna know who it is what it is and i it's so so exclusive i can't tell you that so when i am given the go ahead and i can share this news you know i will do that but for now lots to expect with the real house sides of potomac a lot of them are taking their little mini vacations right now before they get into all the press and PR. But they were recently, a few of the ladies in New York City, to film promotional pieces for BravoCon and for the new season. So you will, you know, see some fresh new images. Um, and like I said, maybe some partnerships with other housewives because a few of the Potomac ladies were in New York for that filming. Um, so they're gearing up, you guys. Potomac is coming. Mary to Medicine is coming. Sundays are just going to be absolutely insane and I can't wait for every minute of it so that's all I can tell you for now I wish I could tell you more this is why maybe I need a patreon or somewhere I can say this even to a smaller niche audience because some of this tea guys is just too good but until next week we'll have to leave it there We made it to another end of the week and through another episode of the TV Deeds podcast. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I can't tell you how much, um, your, you know, all your positive messages, your tweets, your DMs, your comments really mean. Like I said, this is like a little passion project of mine and getting on this podcast every week and putting myself out there like this is not really my comfort zone, but you guys are making it so special and so fun. And I just want to say thank you for being so receptive to the TV Deeds podcast, to my social media, for everyone sharing my content. I appreciate you so, so much. And these five-star reviews, I wanted to mention, I have seen some five-star reviews come in through Apple Podcasts. That is so huge for me. That really likes people or really helps people find the podcast and the episodes. And it means a lot to hear your comments and everything you're saying and your feedback. I take it all so seriously. But thank you so much, again, just for your support. If you do anything this week, send this podcast to someone else, pump it up the charts on Apple Podcasts, and let's put TV Deets on the map. But I hope you guys have a great weekend, and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>